0: Hello everyone, and welcome to Directorial debuts a spinoff of Plot Devices. This is the show where we take a director's first project, we break it down, we talk about their uh, history behind it, we talk about the film itself, and then talk about, like, a little bit of the rankings if we, you know, have experience with them. Sometimes we don't, it's a lot of fun. This is season zero, we kind of do what we must. Uh, today, Noah, what film are we talking about?
1: We're talking Adam McKay and his wonderful entry in Anchorman, starring Will Ferrell and so many other names we're going to discuss.
0: Uh, You took a bullet for me.
1: Uh, And I would not do that again. Uh, It hurts like a mother.
0: Take me. Take me right now.
1: Let's make a baby.
0: That's not the full title,
1: though. Anchorman and the Legend of Ron Burgundy. I'm so sorry. What's the title? that's the title oh perfect I was so scared that I was gonna say Ron Perlman <laughs> but I was like, Anchorman the legend of Ron Burgundy absolutely
0: our director did not and Will Farrell did not put in a full subtitle for us just, just call it Anchorman uh, although that's what everyone calls and that's what I always call it uh no Anchorman the legend of Ron Burgundy this is Adam McKay's directorial debut if you are not familiar with the name uh you are probably familiar with at least one of his two very distinct eras of directing he started off in comedy as well as With Of course, with uh, this, Talladega Nights, Step Brothers, and then around the 2010s, he made a shift into into more dramatic works. He did The Big Short, which won him an Academy Award for Original Screenplay. He did Vice, and then most recently, he did Don't Look Up. Noah and I have had varying opinions on a lot of his films. This came out in 2004. It was his directorial debut. It stars Will Ferrell as the now famous, infamous, somewhat mix of both, Uh, Ron Burgundy, the epitome of 1970s broadcast news anchor culture. We've all run again in the 1970s in San Diego for uh, KW, for KVWN. Uh, news channel in san diego with his grade a news team we have paul rudd as brian ventana we have Stephen carell as uh brick tamlin and we have david koechner as champ kind all of which were kind of breaking out in their comedic uh talents as far as then you also have everyone in the supporting cast from judd apatow to danny trejo to uh the late fred willard to catherine hahn like everyone pops up in this but more specifically we have christina applegate as veronica Cordingstone, the Kind of maverick uh, broadcast news director coming in from North Carolina. She's here to shake up things. Ron does not want to deal with that at all, but Veronica is such a good journalist, she makes her way up through the system. They somewhat form a romance on and off throughout the film. But news to say, the whole movie is essentially the idea of Ron having to come to terms with a growing feminist movement in the 70s, having to contend with himself, forming his relationship with Veronica. And the whole movie just acts as a giant, you know, pastiche and kind of middle finger to the news industry in, I think, the best way. But, uh, Noah, let's go over to you. Um, general reactions as far as Anchorman goes. I think most people have some form of experience with this, even just with the memes that have popped up in the last uh, you know, decade or so. But the movie itself has, re- has gained this really big following. It made decent money at box office. Uh, it has been remembered fondly. What have your experiences been with this?
1: I am a journalism graduate, and I had never seen Anchorman, The Legend of Ron Burgundy, what? which made me feel like kind of almost like a it's like the thing that you do, or it's like the thing that you're aware of, even as a comedy fan, a Will Ferrell fan. I don't know why it just never appealed to me. Like it came up and then my, like I have family members who would bring it up, but for some reason, just Anchorman always turned me, away like I always had I I don't want to say low expectations because I knew the the strength Will Farrell has of course I've seen other Adam McKay projects like Step Brothers and Talladega Nights and I'm a big Will Farrell fan um and because of the direction I'm a big Adam McKay fan it would seem except for his work last year but we're not talking about that so talking about here Anchorman The Legend of Ron Burgundy I was so delighted by the cast itself I mean Christina Applegate who I started to appreciate uh, and be introduced to and dead to me. Now I get to see her working, um, you know, a, a decade before. Um, and this movie feels very of its time. Like the comedians that surround Will Ferrell and their characters are just a group of imbeciles. I expected a story that just centered around the rivalry between the daytime hosts of this, of this news network And then what I got was like a sort of love story between Veronica and Ron, which I found hilarious just because it came out of nowhere, especially with all the men trying to throw themselves at Veronica. Uh, It was gross. And it was hilarious that Ron was the one who went out and his nature is just so reminiscent of somebody who was... Uh, It's like, uh, you know, it's for Steve Carell is on the cast and I'm, and I'm thinking of um, Michael Scott, like how he's so oblivious to his own nature and how ridiculous he, he is like uh, how he communicates. And I I felt that as I was watching it, um, he's such a funny character to follow. There's one hilarious scene between him and Jack Black where he throws a burrito at Jack Black while he's on a motorcycle next to him. So Jack Black does the only uh, <laughs> expected thing in grabbing Ron Perlman's dog. Ron Perlman, what am I saying? Grabbing Ron Burgundy's dog, like this little small, <laughs> I don't even know what to call it, and just kicks it, punts it into the this off this bridge into the lake it's dead seemingly and that scene was so funny um you see the dog so clearly turn into a rag doll, like a stuffed animal <laughs> i love the rag doll and so much that's what that's what makes this comedy so like just fitting is we're not getting some kind of cgi mess of characters getting thrown across the room like they're doing what they can uh with with what production allowed at the time and and i loved it for that i think that um uh, being aware of the industry and uh touring new rooms like you're aware of what these settings look like and how those moments can feel when you're on camera but they're not uh recording your voice so you and your co-anchor are kind of just saying uh (laughs) veronica and ron are having this hilarious like jab at each other which um we get to hear all of the outtakes for in the end credits like this movie, I think, is pleasant and I-, I did enjoy watching this. It was a nice, lighthearted break from some of the other more emotional titles that we had covered for this week, uh, which I watched, you know, alongside this. I, I know you've probably seen this before. What was it like reapproaching it? Really, how did you appreciate Anchorman in this first take?
0: I really, really like Anchorman. Uh, there was a time where it was probably in like my top five favorite comedies. And even now to this day, I still hold it in fairly high regard. Uh, that's not to say about Adam McKay. I have complicated feelings on McKay as a director, but I think this as a, I think this is a mission statement for him. I think really works because I think it shows at least some of the uh, the binding ties, especially between him and Will Ferrell. But, and we'll get slightly into that later. But I think, It shows the approach that McKay takes to comedy in the sense of absurdity in kind of workplace generalizations, you know, societal generalizations. And I think his approach just really works for me beyond just the actual camaraderie that the film establishes. I will admit there has been a part of me in the last several years has seen, you know, In the rise of like, you know, workplace harassment claims and like that, this has become more topical in a kind of icky way. But I think you're right. The comedy works so well and it's so knowledgeable at what it's supposed to do that I think it works in its favor beyond the fact that it's just, again, just a genuinely good comedy. And it doesn't overstay its welcome and it knows what it's doing and we'll get obviously into it. But I enjoy this a lot.
1: And you have something of a comedic genius out of Will Ferrell, because I hadn't expected him to be attached in the credits for writing, but no, this is the writing credits that we can see are Adam McKay and Will Ferrell. So I can only imagine like what those uh, rooms looked like when the two of them were putting this together. Cause it must've been, a it must've been a hilarious time with all the outtakes that they include with just the sheer nature of Will Ferrell being funny, no matter what he does it. It's truly like, I think a gem in in what these two pulled off together and who, what they would pull off together in the future with, with constantly like hooking up uh, for projects.
0: And it's funny because the whole, you know, Gary Sanchez productions dynasty that both McKay and uh, and Farrell created, you know, kind of is like a, a film parallel to all the funnier Die stuff, which we may, may or may not touch on. I'm not super familiar with it, but like when you go back to the idea of like when this was being made, you know, McKay, it, it's funny because like. Farrell was like top of his game at SNL. This was like when he and a lot of those cast members were coming in to like revitalize what what had become of it in the 90s. And then McKay had tried to get on SNL, failed miserably, but they were like, you know what? Your scripts are funny. We want you to come into the writer's room. So he and Will kind of made a connection there. And that led to the whole Gary Sanchez dynasty that we led through in the 2010s. There's this weird dichotomy, I should say, between like Apatow and McKay's sense of comedy in the 2000s and like how much of it. How much of those styles influence films going down the line, all going back to like early 90s, sorry, mid 90s, I should say, like SNL between Farrell and McKay, which is very interesting to me. But it's that idea of what the two of them are able to do. And as you mentioned, they are so beautifully connected on this. Like they just have the same sense of like every line just seems to be so well placed and so well done for what it needs to do that. I'm just kind of shocked at how consistently it works.
1: Vince Vaughn pops up Ben yes. Stiller pops up everybody pops up in this movie that you know and grew up with um uh even C- Catherine Hahn, who we see yes. in later scenes I was like oh my god I told my partner right behind me I said wait that's from she's from WandaVision we just saw her in that's Agatha
0: <laughs> and she's from Step Brothers like she's somebody who uh you and I just, was gonna say- I was going to say, you can make an Agatha all along joke where it's like, oh, yes, it was one the, <laughs> the, the teleprompter, but it was her all along.
1: <laughs> it was always Agatha. Um, one more th- or a couple of things I wanted to mention. One, just an observation. And that was um, Steve Carell looks all too familiar in this um you know, this news position because I'm just thinking of Bruce Almighty and I'm like, I've always like, you can easily place those two movies in the same universe because Steve Carell is hilarious in this movie because he's the one character who just like doesn't apply any thought to what his actions are. He's just doing them. Like there's a fight scene later on in the film, which is wonderful. It's probably like one of my favorite parts of this movie is this fight scene where it's not just the morning the morning coverage crew who are coming to this alleyway gang fight in the style of West Side Story. It's also, you know, the evening anchors. It's Channel 3, who have been number three in the rankings or in the ratings for three years. And they're arriving. Public news, no
0: commercials, no mercy.
1: The Spanish crew is coming in. Like, it's so hilarious what they're able to pull off in that one fight scene uh, that involves, like, hilarious weapons of chains machetes knives switchblades it is so great and um i feel like this is a comedy that stands the test of time like this will be funny when i watch it again uh 20 years from now and and i think special about it
0: i want to quickly go back to the supporting cast real quick because i think they are all mainly perfectly placed into this like i think the one weak link you could put into this is paul rudd and even he's doing really great work as fantana like he has the sense of kind of stabilized morality to him and I was going to say, you haven't watched the sequel, have you? I have not. I won't spoil time, but it goes into the idea of, like, Brian as a grade-A reporter and, like, knowing his skill sets. And this one kind of doesn't. It feels more of a generic, you know, kind of posse, womanizer-friendly role, which, again, is kind of needed from him. But like, it's Paul Rudd. He can do no wrong. But, like, David Koechner is freaking despicable as champ. Like, every line that just come out of it is just, like, spewing with saliva. And you're just like, oh, God, why are you doing it? But, like... It's just how he's like, and like he's completely up to the task. But by far, the scene stealer, even all these years later, is Steve Carell. Every line of Bricks is just pitch perfect. And like you mentioned, the whole Michael Scott comparison. I like Brick more than Michael Scott, because at the very least, Brick has a sense of like innocence about him, where it's like, he's just kind of going through it. He's learning along the way. Whereas Michael knows everything and just is intentionally spewing out nonsense.
1: Did you enjoy Fred Willard's character in Ed Harkin? No. I noticed he's somebody we haven't covered, but
0: loved, right? Fred Willard, rest in peace, by the way, is just so wonderful in everything he does. And just even in this, just, you know, damn it, if you put in the prompter, Burgundy will read, like just every line is just so precise. Like, oh, you know, my son was taking something called acid, but, you know, we'll figure it out. Like just the simplicity of his delivery was just unaltered in just all of his performances. And just, even now watching it after his passing, it just feels like such a natural fit that he's, that he's here.
1: He's not central to like, he is the like leading producer in their, in their, um, newsroom, but. He still has these lines that he delivers with such casualness that they're, you're laughing about them even as the scene continues because he says his stuff, he gets to work and then he's gone and it's the stuff he says is is still memorable. Um, So uh, thank you, Brandon, for throwing this one at us. I know that you were familiar around this, but I'm happy that now, you know, this segment, the DD has really uh, provided me opportunity to take in some of these directors works. And hopefully if you're listening, you're deciding to go and check out these where accessible because it's absolutely worth it.
0: It is. And I, I kind of want to dive in real quickly to the idea of, like, you know, we were both journalism students at a time. You know, we both have our, our experience with those newsrooms, per se. Coming at that from that point of view, like, for me, and I should, like, fourth fall I've started reporting for the station that I'm at currently. Like, I've started to understand more of the role of a reporter kind of deal. And so, to me, a lot of those things, even though it's broadcast, becomes a lot more air apparent. And, like, the idea of, you know, finding shots and the idea of, you know, you got to do the story with the grind through – did that perspective bring it all true to you? To me, it feels mostly legit.
1: I think it would ring true for the, for this, for the short times that I was involved with like a coverage or like I got a beat that I could write on. Like I had done a couple of stories for the state press, which is ASU's, you know, student ran organization for news. And so I was writing about arts and culture. And it's funny to me, just when you're not pitching your own stories, you're getting, you're getting like when you're producing a show, um, I haven't been in this role, but when Christina Applegate's character, Veronica was getting pissed because as a woman in the newsroom, instead of covering like something that she can tackle, which is anything, she's being put on cat fashion show. And so those kind of nuances, um, like communicated through because you know your potential when you're a reporter and you know the stories you can chase. And for somebody to tell you that you are limited in your, in your potential as a storyteller can be very like it can feel so painful. So whenever Veronica was feeling um, like, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I, I want to say like invigorated, like she was passionate about her position. I resonated with that because you really do want to chase the things that matter to you and not be told that you belong in a box. And I think that's a lot of what journalists do is just break from that box and, and tell those stories the best you can. And her character, uh, she was great to follow. I like all her comebacks too.
0: Well, you have bad hair.
1: Um, I'm just thinking of her the time she- punches that dude in the balls when he tries to reach for her he tries to touch her friends and she, she's like um excuse me uh i love her line of like i'm good at three things reading the goddamn news screwing and fighting and so and i've said, already done
0: one of those today yeah.
1: so, I- <laughs> so i've already done one of those today so what uh, what do i need to do and of
0: course
1: <laughs> who we're just talking about the producer he's like you want to see, like, you You need to screw? <laughs> so she smacks him across the face, uh, his partner, too, that's next to him. And uh, that scene, uh, damn, there's so many parts about this movie that I was just laughing at. And uh, I was thankful to add it to my list of comedies I can return to for a good laugh. It, it, that's where it belongs, I think.
0: I mean, again, if we're sticking on lines, it's just, I, I hate to go back to Brick, but just like, where'd you get those clothes? The toilet? <laughs> yes, it's- like they're, not the even, like they're not even the most clever lines. It's just juvenile nonsense, but that it is played so straight in this environment that you just can't help but laugh along with it.
1: During the fight, everybody has actual weapons. He has yes. a grenade. And during the fight, he just screams. <laughs> he's screaming but... and circling. <gasps> Absolutely. Before he kills somebody with a pitchfork, like he's the one person who's mentioned in the script to be like, Hey, you might want to lay low because that was murder that <laughs> that happened back there.
0: Uh, Brick, I've been meaning to tell you, you might want to find a safe house somewhere. Just lie low for a couple days. Like even in terms of like random nonsense, we get into like the random musical bits. Like there's two of the, There's the whole like flute scene with Bloomberg that samples Aqualung of all things, which I thought was great. And then there's the whole like CG animation thing when he and uh, Veronica are having sex for the first time. And then obviously there's the whole afternoon delight acapella scene. I
1: forgot to mention those. They Those were random as hell but yeah. looking back at the movie i was like oh wait they they absolutely fit um or wait no they didn't at all because he's playing a flute and he dips it in some alcohol suddenly yep. the flute is a straw so he's he's now turning his flute into a flamethrower it's something that only mckay and Farrell pulled off together and uh oh boy like yeah this movie's real funny
0: even just the idea of like ron as a central character yes he's very much flawed but again, the film kind of knows it and reaches into a position for him as a story, reaches into Feral, I should say, for a storyteller, that he can really lean into the growth of the character without making him seem like a complete slime ball. And again, Christina Applegate is totally up to that sense of like workplace mundane comedy to make it all work. Like, again, I'm just shocked at how much of this movie, even the stuff that has become unpromptly timely, has really stood the test of time in terms of just how well it, make, how well it makes sense of comedy and how much use McCain makes of it.
1: All right, Brandon. So on the discussion of our director, this is a discussion. This is a segment that we do directorial debut. What did this piece, how did this piece serve as an introduction to Adam McKay? Looking back at his full slate of projects, you know, he now has 27 um, directing credits on IMDb. Uh, one of the latest of which was 2021's Don't Look Up, which we had polarizing reactions on. Uh, but where does it stand for you on the director as a debut?
0: To this day, I would still love to stay with McKay and know the transition between Anchorman 2 and The Big Short. Like, when he officially decided, like, I don't really want to do traditional slapstick comedies anymore. I want to, like, make a statement and make something serious. And as far as, like, his filmography, that's kind of the way to divide it. Like, it shouldn't feel as weird as it does, but it feels weird to be like, oh, yeah, the guy from Step Brothers does The Big Short and then does Vice and then does Don't Look Up. Like, has to make something serious out of a legacy of comedy and nonsense. And it, it doesn't feel weird. And yet it doesn't feel right. But at the same time, it's weird enough to really make sense of him as a director. And that's why I was kind of so glad for us to pick him because I think he is a fascinating character to talk about. For me, as far as Anchorman, as far as an intro, I don't know if I would, like, I would say Step Brothers is more of a great introduction. I would say maybe the big short as far as like cohesive filmmaking goes, but as far as just a good comedy, like That's where I struggle with this. Like, it's a good comedy. It knows what it is. It's a great sense of, like, what McKay and Farrell at their peak could do. I don't know if it's the best introduction necessarily to McKay as a storyteller.
1: Regarding McKay's works, I'm for sure familiar with Step Brothers, Talladega Nights. I actually just rewatched the other guys, and I learned that that was another one of his projects. I should have guessed, actually. Um, But I haven't explored his more serious titles. Like, when we're talking um, Vice, um, I believe... I may be misremembering, but, um, I just remember conversations between you, myself and Sam about vice. So I'm curious if either of you covered it, um, or even the big short. Um, I definitely will look back on those and see if I can make time to watch them because they have this director attached. Um, I think McKay is an excellent example of a director who knows how to pull off those comedy, uh, those comedic sketches that border, like they teeter. Sometimes they're outright off the edge and inappropriate, but other times they just play with the idea. And I'm thinking specifically of, um, Step Brothers and how much I laughed during that movie. And so, um, I think that had I taken in Anchorman as an introduction to the director, I would have set myself up for an excellent experience returning to it him and Farrell in Talladega Nights in, um, Step Brothers. And then uh, again, in the other guys, it's just they pull off magic together. And so, uh, transitioning right into ratings, that makes this uh, a seven and a half for me. Uh, Like I said, a comedy that I think I will return to time and time again.
0: It comes back to that old verbiage that I, I don't know if you've heard as well, that idea of like a comedy can do everything wrong, but if it makes you laugh, it's worth it. And I think this is kind of the, I think Anchorman becomes the pinnacle definition of that no matter how much McKay wants to go into you know, I want to change the world and I want to really bring these key issues to light, which is great. And I, I hope he keeps doing that even though I don't necessarily love the style with it, but I appreciate that he does. But again, like his comedies are on a different level. Yes, that is on Roasted to glasses. I completely acknowledge that. But like Anchorman works when it needs to. Like the cast is great. The writing is really good. The story means enough to where it matters. It doesn't need to matter enough, but I think it works where it does. And so for me, like it's an eight and a half. Like this is incredibly rewatchable. I still get around to it at least once a year, if not every two years, I think it's well worth the recommendation. Again, as I mentioned earlier, I don't know if it's the distilled essence of McKay as a director, but it is a great comedy and it's well worth your time.
1: That's going to wrap our first, you know, zero uh, season of this directorial debut as its own segment. Uh, It's been a pleasure to go through these five titles with you, Brandon. Uh, It'll be even better if we hear from some of our listeners about how they felt if they watched the same titles or even pitching directors for the continuation of the series. It's definitely something we want to keep up. Um, It becomes a little, you know, a little bit of a juggling effort when we push that put that up against with our main show. Uh, but releasing them in seasons, we think, is the best approach for still giving you a handful of these directors and still having the time for ourselves to give full energy to our main show. Who knows? Maybe we'll do something in the future where we can actually uh, look at these directorial debuts as a whole and decide how they all rank up against each
0: other. We very well might some days. Our plan is... Again, hopefully this won't become outdated by the time we upload this. Our plan is to upload these throughout the entirety of the month. We'll have a month-off break to plan like the full first season of directorial debuts, which will essentially be a cleaner, more distilled version of this. And if you guys have any recommendations for us, please by all means, uh, Twitter, Instagram at plot devices pod. That's Twitter, Instagram at plot devices pod. You can follow us there get all of your recommendations and comments out there as well. And if you'd like to rate this show or our main show pod devices, you can do that on Spotify, Apple podcasts, or RSS feed. Give us a follow and a rating over there. We'd love to hear from you. And of course, yeah, just keep an eye out for season one and we will be back as soon as we can. That being said for myself from Noah Guzman, this has been directorial debut season zero. We'll see you in the first full season, but until then,
1: we'll see. ya.